been a noisy vocal marble crowd. The best part of 50,000 in the house. Motlop. The decibels are going up. O'Connor loads up, 45 out and closing. And yet another goal. It is an avalanche of goals. Moyle is knocked down to Ross and he's caught by one arm and he shrugged. He got rid of the tackler and kicked a huge goal. One of the best of his career. Welcome listeners. We are back with our weekly AFL episode and we're actually down a member who's camping at Lake um, Crystal Lake, Camp Crystal Lake. I don't know if you'll make it back next week. <laughs> uh, no, what a week for him to have off too, isn't it? Oh, yeah, the week when he could actually say, hey, Geelong played football for a quarter. But yeah, no, and and the, and the biggest issue is I just hope Jason's not camping as well, which is an interesting one. But um, saying that, it's... Um, we, we hope he makes it back alive um, between Jason Voorhees and um, or Voorhees and his wife. He may not make it back alive. Uh, no, I think you think he'll be fine. He's on his uh, annual pilgrimage over the Easter weekend to the Grampians. I think he does that most years. Yeah, he's actually staying at um, Hall's Gap, named after the bloke that discovered it, which is Francis Gap. So that's not bad. No, well, um, yeah. yeah, anyway, that, that's enough trivia for tonight. Yeah, well, that, that was just a bit of Russell Coit for you, <laughs> listeners. Right, so what, 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 a, what a day it's been for St Kilda fans um, with Mitch Owens getting the nomination for Rising Star this round. Um, Well-deserved. Um, you can... We were talking about this in our group chat um, over the weekend and, and, Tim, you put up a whole heap of um, stats and whatever in the um, in the group. Um, but I pretty much said, let's ignore the stats. Just watch him play football. He just looks like he knows how to play football. That's the most impressive thing. You can look at stats as much as you want, but um, the eye test, he definitely passes that with flying colours. Here's one for you, Woody. Now, um, knowing that the actual winner of the award will most likely be a midfielder because it tends to be these days, similar to the Brownlow. Um, what's harder, though, to do what he's doing as a, as a smaller bloke playing as a key forward or um, playing in the midfield? I, I think what he's doing, probably, to be honest. Um, and that's the thing, like, he's such a young player, Um and to do what he's doing um, to such a high level so early in his career, um, and they're not even close to full strength with that forward line either. So, no. When they when they start to get guys back, um, and he starts to attract a lesser quality defender, he's probably just going <coughs> to go to another level, isn't he? Well, that's every possibility. And and let's be honest, um, the hard work that the two small forwards in that forward line are actually doing, along with Brad Hill um, up and down the ground, is possibly given him a bit of a earlier, given us an earlier insight into what the kid can do because I think the pressure that um, Higgins and Butler and that put on 
um, doing the, you know, the keep it in the forward line actually has helped Mitch to flourish. I, yeah, I've got to do a, a retake on this because um, I'd, I'd all but written off. I'm like a big, big Dan Butler fan, as you know, but I'd all but written off Jack Higgins. Um, but he's made a fine start to this year, hasn't he? And he's been very impressive. And not just the goals, not just the goals, just the way he goes about it, his attack on the ball and the way he's looking to bring other other players, his teammates into the game. He's um he's been very impressive. He's been very selfless, very team oriented. Bringing a lot of other guys into the game. Um so he's kicked ten goals already this year, so two and a half goals. Per game for a small forward. Um, Hasn't so he had? Has he only kicked ten, or has he had two lots of five? No, he's kicked ten. Oh, is he? I thought he had two lots of five. But um, even so, at that rate, where you're going at two and a half for a small forward, um, you're going to take take fifty to sixty goals a year of a small forward, aren't you? Oh, look, I'd argue anything over 30 from a small forward's a reasonable season. Anything um, around 40 or more is a great season. Yeah, he's um, he's probably the shining light up there at the moment. But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see um, when when the memories and the Kings come back in. Um, are they going to aid the, aid the forward line or are they going to hinder it a little bit? That's probably the big um, question to look forward to. No, well, anything with St Kilda moving forward, the only way they're going to be dancing in the last month of the footy season is they need memory playing because I do think there's room for his style of play. Oh, absolutely, um, that link-up play, he's he's brilliant for that. Yep, and you, you add him into an already solid back line, it just gives him that extra tall when he gets back there to help. So I think that will help, and he does have a great tank. Um as far as as far as uh, Max King goes, I think he's a must only because he's going to get the best defender. So, like you play against the Melbourne, May's going to play on, right? And then yeah. you're going to have and potentially like Caminides, Caminides. Sorry, I think that's the way you pronounce it. Caminides, yeah. Yep. And who I believe at this stage is equally as hard to match up as what Owens is. Because of the way he plays, because he's still he's super mobile and he can take pack marks. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> um, I actually, it's a great problem to have for Ross Lyon, isn't it? To look forward to. And look, even if anyone in, can go, even in your wildest preseason predictions, you wouldn't have had him four and zero on top of the ladder after the first month. I had us near the bottom, to be honest, um, with the injuries. And I'll, and I'll say, too, if anyone's got the brains to think of a, a decent um, plan of attack with those two guys coming back into that forward line, Rossi Lyon's the man. Exactly right. Um, and what he's doing with a um, depleted list, too. So there's going to be troops coming back. So it be interesting to see how they, uh, they gel when they, they're at full strength and who comes out, really. Yeah, and look, to be honest, um, I'm not trying to get ahead of myself because we haven't played outside of Melbourne yet. So, irrespective of who we've played, we've played all games in Melbourne. 
Um, now, the second part of my discussion point was how do we go against Collingwood? We're obviously the underdog, because even though Collingwood have lost a game, because people just think Collingwood are super-duper. Um, I actually believe if we bring what we've brought the first four weeks, Collingwood are in for a tight one. Yeah, I think so. And they, they play... They play a style that can negate Collingwood, I think, as well. And you know what the other big key is? Collingwood have got an issue in the ruck department, so Marshall could absolutely destroy them. Yeah, there's that as well. But um, it, the interesting thing is we've um, we've seen that this St Kilda team under this Ross Lyon um, doesn't just play the shutdown and the, you know the eight <coughs> to ten goals wins a game. It's they've got the ability to put the foot down and pile on goals and play an exciting brand as well. So it will be interesting to see how that stacks up against Collingwood because Collingwood like to play their run and gun style. So will will St Kilda fall into that trap or will they they try and slow it down and play the typical Ross Lyon game that we're used to? I I reckon Ross is probably not one to change it too much um, against Collingwood because it's been doing the job. Um, Essendon play a similar style to Collingwood and St Kilda as well and we sort of comfortably, in the end, took care of them, even though they did challenge us. Well, Essendon expect- try to play that style, but let's be honest, they don't have the, the, the foot skills to play it as well as Collingwood. No. no. And funny you say that, um, talking about um, St Kilda's style, an unsung hero at the moment, too, is another Ballarat boy, um, not Butler. Butler is one of the unsung heroes, is um, one Brad Crouch is playing out of his skin. No, he's, uh, he's been a quiet achiever, hasn't he? Just <coughs> he going about has. his business. And yeah, you know what? And Ross, Ross Lyon loves those types of players. They just you know, get their hands dirty, get in, get the job done and, and go home with minimum fuss. To all the people that have criticised Bradley Hill over the last few years at St Kilda, he has demonstrated under Ross Lyon that if he was bleeding, it would be red, white and black, the way he's been playing. Yeah, it's the, it's it's probably the little stuff that he does or that he's been doing that he previously hasn't that's getting getting noticed, isn't it? He's, it's his 1%, well, is it his effort off the ball, his effort chasing. Right. And how often do you see that he's got one or two tackles where he wouldn't normally have them? Yeah, that's right. It's his, it's his defensive ability and his second efforts and and those the traditional one percenters that he's doing well, which which is you know complements the the running gun style that we're used to seeing from him, which hasn't been consistently displayed throughout <laughs> his career. But um, if he can keep doing those little things right in the one percenters, um, you, you can forgive him for having those down weeks um, when he's, you know, not not so efficient with the ball. But you know what, though? What, what made the strength out of him is, right, is even if he's having a down week possession-wise, because he's doing those one percenters, he still brings something to the table, where in previous seasons at St Kilda, if he's not getting the ball, he brings nothing to the table. Yeah, that's right, and that's... How many times can we mention the Ross Lyon effect? Well, look, as far as I'm concerned, um, he have to be leading the race for Coach of the Year already. Um, I know it's still a long season, but at the moment, it's hard to find another coach to beat him. Well, you, you say that, but we're, you know, next next week and we're, we're about a quarter of the way through the season nearly. So 
You know, it no. sounds ridiculous to say that stuff now, maybe, but in two weeks, three weeks, we're um we're through the first first maybe third or so of the season. We're looking forward to the buys not far away, only a month or so away. Um, and it's time to start taking a look at that stuff a bit more seriously. And the other thing is, St Kilda realistically at the moment um, probably go into the Collingwood game this week with an advantage they wouldn't normally have, which is Marshall could absolutely destroy them in the ruck. Well, they played um, Ash Johnson in the ruck, so Marshall's got a massive opportunity. And look, Marshall's been playing some decent football too over the first four rounds as well. Yeah. So just oh, Sorry, just, just just quickly looking at the odds. Um, they've got St Kilda at $2.83, which is more than tempting for mine. But um Collingwood at we'll ponder that during the week at dollar forty three. That's overs for um Collingwood at the moment, coming off a loss and having the problem in the ruck. Yeah, I think yeah, the value's there. Um we secured it, but we'll discuss that later. Off, off air. <clears throat> and look, just before we move on to Carlton, something that really um, I find interesting is normally we say if a team's kicking poorly for goal, you know, like Essendon did with, you know, 22 11, behind. 22. Yep. How can we say that Jake Stringer had an absolute rip snorter of a game and won the game for him when he kicked four goals six? Yeah, that's not even close to good enough at this level. Seven goals three and eight goals two. Fair enough. I'll get excited about that. But four goals, six, you're going to have to do more than that to impress me. I would have said six goals, four. If you swap them over, you might agree with what people are saying. And even then, that's a push. Um, to me, yeah, I, I don't think it was anywhere near as good as what people are saying. But anyway, but, um, just that, can lead, that just leads into another conversation um, about the, the diminishing skill level when it comes to goal kicking especially. But... Um, that's that's a podcast that could go on for about 16 hours if you let me go. Yeah, 100%. All right, so Carlton, need to punish sides when the opportunity presents itself. Now, that is something um, even I've noticed that they haven't really done this year. No, that's right. And it was no more evident than um, Good Friday, was it? So Carlton had a very poor first half um, where North Melbourne actually... Um, I pretty much led all the clearances and and the whole battle really um, in the first half, and then Carlton come out in the third and probably halfway through the last quarter and and really put the foot down and started to play some good footy. Um, they get forty six points up, and then in about the last twelve minutes, North Melbourne um, kicked the last four goals, and it's only a twenty three point win. Now, I would like to think that. Um, the teams that are serious about, you know, being in and around that top four come the pointy end of the season, um, you obviously need the percentage, which Carlton have wasted, but you need that killer instinct and put the foot on the throat and Carlton just let... Like, the game was all but won. Like, there was never any danger of Carlton losing, but but the best teams win that by 10 goals at least. And that's, that's the next step that you need to see from Carlton. They did it last year. They lost. They missed out on the finals by half a percent. Um, but I think one game against Port Adelaide were up by nearly nine goals or something like that, and one by less than a kick, and then up by forty points or something against Hawthorne and one by a point. So 
in those two games alone, they probably cost themselves three or four percent um, because of that lack of killer instinct, and that was the difference between making the finals and not. Yep. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And if you look at what St Kilda managed to do against the Gold Coast, you'd argue that they did what you're wanting Carlton to do. Well, the, probably the better example is um, Geelong. What Geelong did to Hawthorne um, in the second half. Yeah. Oh, look, I agree to. I'll agree to a. Forget, a level. forget the actual margin and the goals, or whatever. But they had a chance to really punish them and and put the foot down, and that's what they did. Whereas, and they and, never they they never gave Hawthorne that even close opportunity to reduce the margin. Whereas Carlton needed they either needed to maintain that eight goal lead, seven or eight goal lead, or or really punish them. But at the moment, um, Carlton seemed to really let teams just get get those three or four goals on the trot. Well, Hawthorne should have been thirty points up at half time. Now, if they had have taken their opportunities and were up by that, we may have seen the Geelong we've seen for the first three weeks. Yeah, but that's, because right, but that's, that's, that's what I'm saying, though. Geelong had that killer instinct. And like, fair enough, as you said, Hawthorne should have been up by more and they weren't, but um, you could make the case that North Melbourne should have been further in front of half-time as well, and then Geelong had the opportunity to put them in the, to the sword and did that, and, and Carlton wasted their chance to do the same. Hundred um, percent. And then your other comment was Lockie O'Brien is done. Yeah, I've been a big advocate of his over the last few years. He seems to have been a whipping boy for a lot of Carlton fans, but I've um, I've, I've I've been in his corner and backed him. But the last two weeks, he's just there seems to be a lack of effort, a lack of toughness, and he's got really good foot skills. And he's even missing targets now. So when he's He's down on confidence or whatever it is. I don't know, but he's in the side to be clean with his foot skills. Um, he's obviously not going to and never going to be the hardball winner um, that some Carlton fans want him to be, and that's fine. He's a winger. He's an outside player. He doesn't need to win the hardball, but what he does need to do is really use it cleanly, and he, he's he been far from doing that Um and he, like I said, he, it's not his job to win the hard ball all the time. But when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. But he's always that bit of trepidation for a contest, and that's just not yeah. enough. And then you look at um, look at the first the first year player in Ollie Hollands, and he does not back down from that physical stuff. He loves it. It sounds like um, you may have let the wrong bike delisted the wrong bike because exactly what you're saying is what St Kilda's got out of stocker. Well, as you know, I was never a fan of us letting him go anyway. And I told you you've got a good player in him and you were a bit bit hesitant, probably more because you didn't know much or enough about him, but um, I'm pretty sure he's won you over this month, hasn't he? Well, let's just say I may have had a few choice words to Holman when he did some... Uh, what I think was a bit on the dog side, um, on the boundary, because was that point time? Uh, nearly on half time, and, and if you watch the replay on Fox Footy, you can you can see Tim giving his best work to to Holman. Yes, and I I'll tell you now, um, listeners, he cried anyway. <laughs> uh, what what I will say though is, who was the first guy that came in to remonstrate with him with what he did? Because I think it was Mason uh, Wood that he cleaned up. Um, 
income stocker. Yeah. And then two of the two of the um, Gold Coast dogs attack Stocker, and in come Joshy battle to help Stocker. So that's where St Kilda's at because obviously um, Mason got a free kick out of it, so he was out of the picture. Um, that's where St Kilda's at. I don't think they would have um, been united in that situation last season. No, no. Um, again, is that the Ross Lyon effect, or is that just guys? A change of attitude from some guys. Stocker maybe himself. He's he realised that he may he, he wasted his chance at Carlton. This could be his last chance, and he needs to needs to step up. Who knows? It could be a culmination of things. But um, you love to see it, don't you? Yeah, and look, um, one thing Stocker has done for St Kilda. I know we got back to St Kilda, but um, he's improved our um, field kicking. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, improved it. Something chronic. Brad Hill informs improved it as well, and then you've got um, another um, guy that's probably going to end up all Australian again in Sinclair. Yeah, and um, we said it last week as well. Mason Wood, he's just been brilliant this year so far. Yeah, I think his shoulder must have been giving him a little bit of trouble because he wasn't as dominant as the first three weeks, but he didn't play poorly. No, that's right, and um, yeah, that's. If that's the type of player who you're going to get in Mason Wood going forward, yeah, you want to be holding on to him for quite a while yet. And it looks like Jack Boitel has um, come up okay no, when yep. there could have been a injury. So that's good. Um, anything else that stands out for this gather around? Um, the only thing is news that comes through maybe in the last hour since we recorded is how McKay's appeal at the tribunal has been successful. So he'll um he'll play this week. Yeah, look, what he did was silly, but it was hardly yeah, it was hard hardly week, I don't think. You I, I would have said fifty metre penalty or downfield kick, whatever you want to do, but that's it. I made you fine, but not a week. Um and the guy that he hit was Harry Sheasel. Um I I was at the Carlton in North Melbourne game on Friday. He football just looks like a very easy game to Harry Sheasel. He just he's such a smooth mover. Um, it looks effortless what he does. Um, he's he's going to be a very very good player for a very long time. So North Melbourne have got an absolute steal with him. Can we? While we're on that subject, um, Josh Warner is our game too soft these days? Honest question. Seems. <clears throat> um, players are getting rubbed out for everything these days, fast becoming a non-contact sport. Now, my spin on it before Woody gives his is you've got to remember, and I've had debates on social media about this, AFL football is a workplace for the players. They're contractors that work in a workplace, which is called AFL football. So, therefore, the AFL themselves do have a certain level now, these days now it's fully professional and has been for some time, of providing a safer possible workplace for the players. Now, the scenario is concussion is a huge problem and we're seeing more and more now from guys when it was semi-professional that used to just go back on with concussion, the depression they're having, the mental health issues that sort of thing. So I can understand why they're big on protecting the players around concussion. An example for people that don't believe um, that WorkSafe can't have anything to do with AFL football 
is the Essendon Football Club were fined hundreds of thousands of dollars for the supplements um, scandal by WorkSafe for not providing a safe workplace. Yeah, that's that's all bigger picture stuff, I think. And it's not wrong. I think a lot of people are still stuck in the old psyche where football's football rather than they don't see it as a workplace. Um, where unfortunately now it is a workplace. When it's when the business of football and sport is this big, then it is a workplace. Um, I just want to touch on <coughs> something where you said about the AFL wanting to protect against concussion. They say that, but their actions don't match up with that. And I think you know where I'm going with this is when oh, when there's a loose – whenever there's a loose ball on the ground, the AFL instructs the players to keep your feet, put your head over the ball mm-hmm. and try and pick it up. That's conducive to head knocks and concussions. We saw yep. a massive head clash on the weekend. Um, was that the Geelong and uh, yeah, it was the Geelong and um, Hawthorne game. Jed Bues come off second best in that because both players kept their feet and led with their head. And if you go back a couple of weeks, there was a, a contest on the wing in the Carlton and GWS game where I think it was um, Ollie Hollands and Hamill from GWS. Same situation, ball on the ground. They both run in. They both turn side on protect their head, go shoulder to shoulder and smash into each other. That's the mm-hmm. way it used to be done. That would have been the way you were taught to contest the ball when you were playing footy as a kid. And we need to mm-hmm. get back to that. We need to get back to it. The AFL's hell-bent on saying that they want to stop concussion or prevent it. At the same time, they're hell-bent on reducing the amount of stoppages in the game. That's why they want the players to keep their feet because if someone goes to the ground with the ball, there's a pile on, there's a ball up. So for me, the AFL's instruction with that is saying we value less stoppages more than less head injuries. Um, well, We got off track the a other- bit there, but to answer your question, Josh, um, yes, the AFL is getting soft. We know that. Um, what's the solution? I don't know. But as fans, I think the sooner we accept it, because um, they're not going to go backwards from here, are they? They're not going to. They're not going to peel no. back on the, the the rules that they're bringing in. So we've just got to accept and, it. And look at how easy Paddy McCartan got concussed again because of the past concussions. Yeah, that's right. And that was that was absolutely nothing. Like that's right. That's that's a history of concussions, and that's what that's what concerns the AFL. But I say to the AFL, if that's your serious concern, take on board how you instruct players to contest a loose ball because you, you're encouraging head injuries with that. Well, the other thing is too, which is not quite um, supporting the argument, but it does show you how confusing it is with putting your head over the ball. You can go down to pick up the ball. And if while you're going down to pick up the ball, you take the other player's legs, you get done for taking his legs. But you're the one playing the ball. Yeah, yeah. It's, but that's just a knee-jerk reaction to the Lindsay Thomas and Gary Rowan incident. 
when Gary Rowan was oh. at Sydney all them years ago. Just a knee-jerk reaction and that that's another just gushing topic, but I'll just touch on it briefly. The AFL have a rules committee and if the rules committee don't keep changing the rules, well, their jobs are on the line, aren't they? So they feel like they have to change rules. That's right. We just got our 10-minute warning, so we might move on to the um, next subject matter, which was um, Walter Scholler. I think that's how we pronounce it. I have a question. Do you all think it's only a coincidence that leaked videos are sent out just prior to the Lions games? Doggies, Tigers, Collingwood. If it was truly a concerned citizen, the person would send it to the AFL and club concern. But the timing and the players they target seem to indicate they want to influence game results. Yeah. Is Walter thinking too much into this? Well, (laughs) I don't know, but... And we obviously don't know, Walter, but I can speak for Tim, myself and Jeremy... Um, none of us are smart enough to even draw that conclusion. So um, if that's true, the only thing I would say on that, Walter, is if that's true, would that not lend an argument to the leaks coming from a Brisbane fan or someone involved with Brisbane so the focus and pressure is on the other team and certain players during the week? And that might take them off the game. That would be my only, only conclusion from that. Well, my thoughts are um, we might have a mini series coming called uh, Brisbane Gate, oh, and it might actually be, yeah. be good dramatisation. But um, now, in fairness, look good on him for thinking outside the That's square. Right. If, you've, if you've picked that up and you've noticed that, Walter, then then good on you. And um, if you've got any more tidbits like that, then we're more than happy to hear them. Yeah, and um, yeah, I, I look. It's not look. It's a conspiracy theory, but it's not completely ridiculous. And um, every 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 thought outside the box, though, like you said, starts off as a conspiracy theory. But um, plenty of conspiracy theories have been proven correct as well. So, without doing the homework, I'm not going to completely discredit what he said, but. As I did say, um, it would lead me to believe if that's the case, it's it's a Brisbane fan or someone involved with Brisbane. Yeah, 100%. So we're really getting towards the end of um, our little week's episode. Um, in the coming weeks, we'll probably try and get a couple of friends of the podcast on. Um, so those that are into Richmond and everything Richmond, we'll get our Queensland correspondent that's a Richmond man on. And we haven't really said much about Melbourne this year, and they're just motoring along doing Melbourne things. So we may get one P. Kimber on in the coming weeks as well. Yeah, so that's right. Melbourne, they did this last year, Melbourne. They didn't, they? They, um, they sort of flew under the radar a little bit. People weren't really talking about them during the home and away season, really, were they? Mm. Yeah, that's right. And I'd actually like to see. Uh, and when St Kilda play uh, Melbourne, that um, Mitch Owens is still going great guns because I don't know um, if their style of backman can compete with him. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see who they who they sent to him. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. Um, well, I'll be honest, as a kid, if, 
if it was a situation where we didn't have Membry and King back in, he's more than a handful for May. Yeah, oh, she wouldn't. You wouldn't send May to to him. May, May would. The way May he would. plays, he would get schooled because he 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 would he wouldn't be able to go off him on the ground. Yeah, it's a, it, interesting. Interesting um, analysis, but um, I don't think it's a realistic one, to be honest. Oh, look, look, put it this way. If we had the current forward line, May's probably going to go to Caminini. Um, at this rate, probably. If this if it's the same St Kilda team that fronted up last week, I think that's or probably more go, likely. Or he'd go to Cordy. Yeah, another quiet achievement. He's just doing enough every week, isn't he? Just There's, there's a role for him there at the minute. Well, he's he's the guy that's got a pinch hit in the ruck to give Marshall a rest at the moment too. So, and he hasn't been he hasn't been really lowering his colours dramatically in the ruck. So he's been having a crack. But yeah, um, that's so, what I mean. He's doing enough. Yeah, and just saying that, um, I'm sort of wondering um, if just before we go, if um, Jack Hayes, if he gets right, if he's going to be. Handy in the second half of the season as another ruck option that can also kick goals. Yep. <laughs> as good a start and as exciting it's been for St Kilda, I think potentially um, with some stocks coming back, it could be even better. But um, we're forecasting here and who knows what's going to happen. But um, yeah, you 4 and 0 with a massive injury list, um, you can be forgiven for getting a bit excited, I think. Yep. Um, can you hear me, mate? Yeah, no, you're still there. Your, your video broke yeah, up a bit, but your sound's coming through. That's right. I, I just had a phone call come through. Yeah, that sounds interesting, but I know our clock is ticking, so it might be time for our wife. And we'll say a little prayer for um, Jeremy, who's camping at Lake Crystal Waters. Crystal yep. Lake, sorry, Camp Lake. Camp Crystal Lake. Get Camp around. Crystal Lake. Have another go. Be back um, next week. Um, you'll be back. We'll probably either I'll have. Uh, you'll be here. I'll be here. Hopefully, we'll either have Kimber or uh, Shields, one or the other. We won't do both because I'll both talk a lot. But basically, um, oh, which Chris, is fair enough because there's no point having them on if we're not going to let them talk. That's right. But to have both, it's sort of. Going to turn it into bigger than Ben Hur, which we well, know. I'll tell was... you what. Tell you what. If Essendon knock off Melbourne this week, we're definitely getting Kimber on. Sorry, mate. If if Essendon knock off Melbourne this week, we're definitely getting Phil. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, Josh Watson will be doing our editing, and he'll be using the tunes of Zaggy too. And how do they get us on social media, Woody? Uh, just search for MPO Sports on. Facebook, um, where Josh and Walter have clearly done that this week and sent a couple of questions through, which is good, and at NPO underscore sport on Twitter. Awesome. So it's goodbye from myself. And uh, goodbye from me as well, and we'll catch you next week.